if you have been a regular uh, in the Bible study club, you know we've been studying the life of David for the last uh, probably a little bit more than a month. And with everything that's been going on recently in our country and not just in our country, in our world, I decided that it would probably be a good idea to, to shift and do something a little bit different. And that's what I wanted to do tonight. And the focus of tonight's session is, as my wife has said, and I got to say it slow too, so I don't mess it up, <laughs> faith in the face of crisis. And so what I want to do is I, I created a PowerPoint, which if I usually do, and I wanted to do this. I had debated whether or not to do the PowerPoint, but I decided to do it. And, and I want you to do two things, is I want you not only to hear the word of God, but I also want you to see the word of God. And I think it's important um, to not just hear it, but to see it. And that's what I wanna do here tonight is so that you can both hear and also see the word of God as we go through this session here this evening. One of the interesting things about crisis, and as I said before, we're all in the midst of it, but one of the things that's interesting about it is that at some point in your life, we're all going to face it. It's, it's something that you can't avoid. There will come a point or a time in your life where you are going to face a critical, a crisis situation. And the fascinating thing about it is that it's in the place of crisis or in the place of a storm or in the place of a challenge that is where your faith is actually tested. So when you're in the middle of the storm or you're in the middle of a crisis, which is what we're going through right now, uh, not only in our nation, but around the world, that is where your faith is tested. However, it's also in the place of a crisis or a storm or a challenge, that's where God is proven. I want you to get that because we face the test and the challenge and it's in those places that God proves who he is. You see, you'll never get to the point of proving who God is unless you face the challenge or the situation. And that's kind of the place that we're in here uh, in our country, in our nation, and in literally in our world. I can honestly say I've never in my lifetime, not that I'm that old, but I've never seen anything like this before. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are in that same position. And so I want to um, go through a few things here tonight. And I'm going to call them the how-tos. In other words, how do you actually have faith in the middle of the storm? Okay? And I'm going to give you a few pointers, a few things that I want you to think about, a few things you can do. And by the way, this is all coming from God's word. So that you can lean on that will help you have faith. And I want you to write them down if you want to take some notes, but I want you to think about these things and meditate on these things. So here's the first one. The first how to is to acknowledge and to cast. And, and what in the world do, does that mean? So let's Let's, let's go through the, the, the first one of these, to acknowledge. What am I talking about when I say this? 
here's what I'm talking about. When I say acknowledge, I want you to understand that it's important to acknowledge the reality of the situation that you're in. In other words, don't bury your head in the sand. Acknowledge where you are. Here's the facts, folks. Our nation is in a crisis. That's a fact. That's a reality. We have people that are being infected and the numbers are going up by this coronavirus. That is a reality. Acknowledge it. If you're afraid during this time, acknowledge it. If you're worried about stuff happening during this time, acknowledge it. If you're anxious or maybe you're unsure, maybe you're doubtful, maybe you don't have peace right now, I want you to acknowledge it, recognize it, acknowledge that it exists, and there's a reason why. I'll get to that in just a second. I want you to acknowledge it. I want you to notice what the, the writer in Psalm says. He says, but when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Notice what he said. He did not say, um, he said when. What does that mean? That means there are going to be times in your life when you may be fearful, you may be worried, you may be unsure, you may be anxious, you may be having doubt. And I want you to acknowledge that. Recognize that, hey, God, I am uh, fearful or I'm acknowledged or um, that you're going through. I want you to understand that, okay? Why? Because you need to know and recognize where you are. There is nothing wrong with saying that I, I am um, uh, fearful or I am anxious or I am worried. There's nothing wrong with that. But the point is not to stay there. The point is just to acknowledge that you're there. Okay? I want you to do that. But once you've done that, okay, I want you to get to the next step of casting. Now, here's what I mean by that, okay? First of all, let me back up for one moment. When David is acknowledging that he's afraid, understand something. Fear is a natural human response, okay? So don't think you're weird or strange or, or you're not a believer or your faith is weak or any of that kind of stuff because you get afraid. That is a natural human response. However, you overcome the natural human response with the supernatural. In other words, you overcome the human spirit of fear with the Holy Spirit that God gives you, okay? So acknowledge where you are. But then once you've done that, I want you to move to the second step, which is to cast. And what do I mean by casting? Here's what I want you to do. Once you acknowledge that you have fear, once you acknowledge you have anxiety, once you acknowledge that you have worry, once you acknowledge that there's, there's anxiety in your heart, then I want you to cast it. Here's what Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will, what, sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. He says, cast your cares. In other words, acknowledge that you have them. He's not saying deny your cares acknowledge your cares and then take them and cast them on him and when you do that he will sustain you and he will never let you be shaken first peter says give all your worries and cares to god why for he cares about you okay so don't act, don't run around acting like 
oh, I'm not worried or I'm not afraid or I'm not anxious, if you really are. If you are, acknowledge it and then take that fear, take that anxiety, take that worry, take that concern and cast it on the Lord because he cares for you. And when you do that, he will sustain you. Now, here's the challenge, folks. I want you to get this because this is what happens sometimes. When you cast it on him, leave it there. <laughs> so many times we go to the altar or we go to prayer and we cast our concern on the Lord and we'll, we'll go to a worship service and we do all of that. And then we leave and we pick up the thing we've casted and carry it right out with us. Don't do that. After you've casted, leave it there. So the first thing I want you to do is acknowledge where you are, acknowledge your concern, acknowledge your fear, acknowledge your worry. Hey, God, I'm, I'm concerned about um, this coronavirus. And then take that concern and cast it on him. And by the way, what I'm sharing you doesn't just apply to the coronavirus. It can apply to any situation in life. When you're afraid, when you're fearful, when you're worried, when you're nervous, take all of that and cast it on the Lord. That's the first thing I want you to do. Here's the second thing. I want you to remember and trust. Remember and trust. Here's what I want you to think about. I want you to go back and begin to think about and remind yourself of the things that God has done in your life. Notice what the psalmist said. Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And notice the second verse. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You see, it's so important, especially in times of crisis, when you are struggling and, 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 and facing a hard situation, to not forget what God has already done. I said before, we've been studying David. David did this when he was about to, to face Goliath. He said, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. So you need to begin to recognize and understand that a God in your life has established what I'm going to call a pattern of faithfulness. And you need to remember that when you are in the middle of crisis. Wait a second. God brought me through this before. God brought me through this when I was here. God answered my prayer when I was here. He supplied for me when I was there. He healed me when I was here. All of this pattern of faithfulness that he shows up time and time and time again, over and over again, all throughout your life, he shows up in this pattern of faithfulness. Don't forget that. Remember it. Think back to all the times that God has brought you through trying situations and understand that he is still the same exact God in the midst of your current situation. Malachi 3.6 says, I am the Lord and I do not change. What does that mean? If I brought you out, if I brought you out before, I'm going to bring you out again because I am the Lord and I do not change. Now, after you remember, what I want you to do is now I want you to trust. Notice the psalmist in 56, four, I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God and notice what he says. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals 
do to me. You see, once you remember and you establish and understand and recognize God's pattern of faithfulness that he has displayed in your life, and by the way, that's a good reason to keep a journal if, you don't, if your memory is not so great. Write down the things that God has, has shared. By the way, that's biblical. But write them down. Remember, mark the moments that God has been faithful in your life. They come in handy in times like this when you can look back and not forget all the things he's done. But you praise him for what he has promised. And, and notice what he says. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? Okay? You see how you're building your faith because you're remembering what he's done. You're trusting in him. And when you're trusting him, then you realize, I don't have a reason to be afraid. Remember simply this. He's done it before. You can trust that he will do it again. In fact, that's an awesome song. If you, uh, if you, I'm sure you know that song called Do It Again. But remember and trust. His promise still stands. Great is his faithfulness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness to you. Remember and trust. Here's the third thing I want you to do. I want you to claim and proclaim. <laughs> claim and proclaim. What do I mean by that? The first thing I want you to do is claim the promises of God. Um, estimates say that there are over 3,600 promises in the Bible. Simply find the ones that relate to your situation and hold on to those promises. There are promises that match your crisis. I promise you that. <laughs> there are promises that God has made that match any situation you go through in life. Find them in scripture, claim those promises, and hold on to them. Here's one of those promises, Matthew chapter 6. It says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more, much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Right? Isn't that, isn't that some of the worries that people are having right now? Well, man, I hope I don't run out of food. I hope I got enough toilet paper for some reason. Right? Uh, what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Here's the remedy. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. By the way, there's promises all throughout this, but there's a great one right there. Seek him first, he'll take care of all the rest. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Claim the promises of God. Understand that God will take care of you. He will provide for you. He has promised to do that. Claim and hold on to the promises of God. As you do that, that builds 
your faith. That's how you can have faith in the middle of a crisis. You can claim the promises of God. But after you claim, you need to proclaim. And what I want you to proclaim, claim the promises, but then proclaim the goodness of God. You see, sometimes storms and crisis can dim the light on God's goodness in your life. They can cause you to feel like God doesn't really care. Remember when the disciples were in the boat and the storm rose up and, and they were all kind of out of sorts and out of whack. And one of the things they said, Jesus was in the boat and they said, Jesus, don't you even care? And that's why folks, we have to proclaim his goodness to remind ourselves and to encourage our souls of all the wonderful things that God has done in your life. In other words, there are times when you have to give God what I'm going to call an in spite of praise or an in spite of worship. What does that mean? In spite of what I'm going through right now, God, you are good. In spite of the circumstance, you are wonderful. In spite of the situation, you are beautiful and awesome and worthy and kind and worthy of all praise. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. In spite of everything I see, I will worship you because of who you are. You have to give God that in spite of praise, that in spite of worship and proclaim his goodness. Notice what Psalm 89, one and two. I will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. With my mouth, what? I will do what? Proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. I declare that your steadfast love is established forever. Your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. You've got to proclaim the goodness of God. Sing out the goodness of God. When you do that, you are encouraging your soul and your spirit. You are building your faith in the middle of the crisis. Notice what Psalm 71 says. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet, what, more and more. My hope is never going to run out, and I'm going to praise you more and more. My mouth, out of my mouth, will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all day long. Notice, though their number is past my knowledge. In other words, the things that God has done is surpassing even my ability to understand them. I will come praising the mighty deeds of the Lord God. I will praise your righteousness, yours alone. O oh God, from my youth, you have taught me and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. See, you've got to claim the promise and then proclaim the goodness. God is a good God. He's an awesome God. Give him that in spite of praise, that in spite of worship, that in spite of what's happening in our society and in our country and in our world right now, he is still worthy and I'm going to praise him <clears throat> in spite of. Claim it and then proclaim it. Here's the next thing you got to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. You have to rejoice and renew. What does that mean, rejoice and renew? Well, let's look at that. Here's what Philippians says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. What does it say? Rejoice in the Lord when? When things are going great. Didn't say that. Rejoice in the Lord when? When I got the promotion on the job. Didn't say that either. Rejoice in the Lord always. What does always mean? Always. 
When things are going good, rejoice. When things are going bad, rejoice. All right. When the stock market is at 30,000, rejoice. When the stock market is at 10,000, hopefully it never goes there, but rejoice. <laughs> right. When, when everything is perfect and, and blessings are flowing, rejoice. When our nation is shut down and, and everyone's in sheltering in place, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, I want to help you out here because sometimes it's hard to rejoice when you start looking around you. So I want to give you a few things to rejoice about. I'm calling these some reasons to rejoice. And just listen, I could have gone through a whole lot of reasons, but I'm just going to share with you just a couple of verses just to remind you of a few things and give you some reasons to rejoice. And by the way, rejoicing lifts your spirit and lifts your soul and builds your faith, by the way. So here's one. Romans 8:28. This is probably one of, I believe this is one of the most, the most amazing promise in all scripture. That's what I believe. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Notice what he said. In what? All things. This is why this is the most amazing promise to me in all scripture, because he didn't say in some things. He said in all things. That means the good things, the bad things, the things I do right, the things I do wrong, the wins I have, the failures I have, the mistakes I make, every single thing, God takes all of that and works it for the good of those who love him. That right there is reason to rejoice because God is going to take this thing, right, that we're facing now and somehow work it for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. I don't know how he's going to do that, but he will. That's his promise. That's a reason to rejoice. Want another one? Let's look further down in Romans chapter 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? What is going to separate you, my friends, from the love of Christ? You know what the answer to those questions are? Absolutely nothing. That's the answer. Who shall separate from the love of Christ? No one. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or dangerous sword, will they do it? Absolutely not. Two verses later, Paul says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I love this, for I am convinced that I know, that I know that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I could drop the mic right here and we could shout for the rest of the night on that one thought. There is nothing that will ever separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That, my friends, is reason to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will tell you, rejoice. In the middle of this, you can rejoice because there is nothing that's going to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Rejoice. Rejoice. You can do it. Rejoice. Now, 
don't just rejoice though. I want you to renew. What are we renewing? Well, listen to Second Corinthians. He says, this is, that is why we never give up. Though outwardly our bodies are dying, what's our spirits are being renewed every day. So you gotta renew your spirit every day. This is where the rejoicing comes in. In the rejoicing, there comes renewal of your spirit, by the way. For our present troubles, think about this, folks. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. By the way, folks, this thing won't last forever. Uh, you know, and compared to eternity, it won't last very long. That's kind of what Paul is making a, a reference here. But yet, they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. See, you can rejoice, and now you can renew. Renew your spirit every day. Renew your spirit with the word of God. Renew your spirit with worship. Renew your spirit every day, rejoicing in the Lord always. Because in spite of what happens, you have reasons, plenty of them. I just gave you three. There's more. But you have plenty of reasons to rejoice. So rejoice and renew. But it doesn't stop there either. Here's the next thing I want you to do. Obey and receive. What do I mean by that? Obey and receive. I'm going to share with you a really a scripture that we, we, we quote a lot. And, and this just popped out to me today when I was reading it. But, um, and I've quoted this scripture before, but Psalm 50, 15, it says, then call on me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you and you will give me glory. Now, that's an awesome promise. Then call on me when you are in trouble. If you're in trouble, call on God. I will rescue and give me and give, and you will give him glory. That's the receive part. But notice the verse before, and I specifically did this on purpose. Notice the verse right before that. It says, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. And what? Keep the vows you made to the Most High. Then call on me when you are in trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. You see, so often we want to walk in disobedience to what God wants us to do, and then we want to claim the promise that God has for us. That's not how it works. You walk in obedience, giving thankfulness to God, obeying what he is asking you to do. And when you do that, you now have earned the right. Or not, I shouldn't say earn. That's not a good word. You have the right to call on him when you're in trouble and he will rescue you. Now, God is a merciful God. He's a gracious God. So even when we disobey, when we call on him in repentance, he comes to our rescue. That's who he is. But if you walk in obedience and do what God says, then you call on him, he will rescue you. See, all obedience simply does is it positions you to receive God's help in time of trouble. That's what obedience does. So if you're walking obediently before the Lord, then you're in good position to call on him and he's going to help you. So it's obey and receive. And then here's the last one I'm going to share with you tonight. I'm going to call it prayer, presence, and peace. These are the how-tos, prayer, presence, and peace. What do I mean by that? Well, let's start with the prayer. Philippians 4, 6 says, and this is from the Amplified Version, 
do not be anxious or worried about anything. That's a good word right there, by the way. In the midst of what we're going through, do not be anxious or worried about anything. What does anything mean? Anything. <laughs> Don't be worried about anything. But in what? In everything, which means every circumstance, in every situation. The, the key word there is every. Sometimes we have a tendency to not bring everything to God. We bring the things to God that we can't handle, and sometimes we hold on to the things that we think we can. What, 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 what Paul is encouraging us here to do in his word is bring every circumstance and every situation, big, little, small, in between, doesn't matter, in everything by what? By prayer and petition with thanksgiving continue to make your specific requests known to God. In the middle of crisis, bring everything to him in prayer. There's this old song, um, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Oh, what, uh, and and uh, um, the second verse in that song says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We, and I'm talking to myself too, have to get into the habit of bringing every situation, every circumstance to God in prayer. Whether you feel like you are, especially when you're in crisis, but even when you're not in crisis, bring those situations to God in prayer. Then after prayer, I said there was presence. Notice what Hebrews 13, five says. I love this in Amplified. This is the second part of the verse. It says, for he has said, I will never under any circumstances, notice that again, I will never under any circumstances desert you. God has not deserted you. God will not desert you in the middle of crisis. In the middle of what we're going through right now, guess what? God will never desert you under any circumstances. Notice what he says, nor give you up, this is the Amplified Version, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you, assuredly not. See, here's the thing we can, you can guarantee that God will go with you. He will be with you every step of the way. He will walk you through every single uh, moment of this crisis that we're in in our nation. But if it's a different crisis, he's gonna walk you through that too. You can bank on it, you can count on it. I will never desert you, God is saying. I will never let you down. I will never relax my hold on you. I will never do that. My presence will always be with you. You need to hold on to that in the middle of crisis. And then here's the third thing, peace, right? And I, and I purposely put this in the middle. So it's prayer, right? We, we throw everything to God. Then his presence, we understand his presence is with us. And when you have 
prayer in his presence, then this is the natural result. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart. Think about that. That peace which reassures the heart. That peace which transcends all understanding. That peace which stands guard. Think about that. Stands guard. You know what that means? That literally means that that peace is watching out for your heart, protecting it, not allowing anything else to get in, right? That's the peace God is going to give you, that it's going to guard your heart. It's going to protect your heart. When other things try to get in, it's like peace is going to fight back and say, no, you're not getting in here because I'm protecting the heart and the mind of the one who is in Christ Jesus. You got to get that in your spirit. And the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus, that peace is what God will give you. So you pray, you understand that God's presence is with you. And when you understand those two things and you do that together, then God says, I'm going to put peace to stand over and watch over your heart and your mind. In other words, worry's not getting in, anxiety's not getting in, doubt's not getting in, uh, unsuredness, all that stuff is not getting in. I'm keeping it out because I'm going to watch over your heart and your mind and guard it with peace because you have put your trust and your hope in me and I will never leave you or forsake you. That's what God is saying. So let's sum up our how-tos for the evening, and then we'll start to wrap this up. Here are the how-tos. You need to acknowledge and task. You need to remember and trust, right? You need to claim the promises and proclaim the goodness. You need to rejoice and renew. You need to obey and receive, and then it's prayer, it's God's presence, and then it's God's peace. That, folks, is how you keep your faith or build your faith in the face of crisis. That's how you do it. Now, I'm going to pray for you folks tonight. I want to do that. And uh, I'm just going to pray a general prayer. And after I do that, don't go anywhere. There's a few other things I want to do here tonight. Father, I pray for every single person that's listening on the line right now. And God, you see this, the, the scenarios that we are facing in our country. I pray, first of all, God, that your heart, that your, your peace would guard our hearts and our minds. God, that we would put our trust in you. Lord, that we would not look at all the things we are seeing and hope in those things, but that we would keep our eyes on you and hope in you. Father, I pray for our, our leaders of our nation. I pray for our healthcare workers and first responders. Give wisdom to the leaders as they have to make decisions to, to navigate through this, Father. Give them wisdom. And Father, for our healthcare workers and those on the front line, I pray, God, that you would protect them, Lord. Give them uh, a divine order of protection, Lord, that, that would preserve their bodies and their immune systems. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now, don't go anywhere. I just want to do a couple other things here. First things first, if you are watching this and you have looking at life right now and feeling a sense of no peace and, and things are kind of going crazy and haywire, I get it. But there's an answer for you too. Jesus said that in this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And he says, peace, I leave with you. Peace, I give you, not like the world gives. See, here's the answer. If you don't know Christ, the, the answer to your anxiety and your worry and your frustration and your concern is found in him. And so I invite you today to receive the wonderful gift of salvation that he's provided for you. And all you'd have to do is open your heart and say, Jesus, just come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin and change me and make me yours. It's that simple. And if you pray that with a sincere heart, then he will do that. And he will wash you and forgive you and cleanse you. And he'll give you that peace that we've been talking about in our session here tonight. And so if you have done that, then I want to encourage you to reach out to us and just let us know. Send us an email at hello at the Bible study club so we can uh, get some resources to you that'll help you in your new journey. Amen.